Shane Walsh, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Thank, thank you very much for having me, Shane. It's always good to have another Shane on the podcast. It makes it way less confusing. It's great stuff. <laughs> exactly, yeah, two Shanes. So, dude, how are you getting on this morning? You were up bright and early, were you? Yeah, up bright and early. Uh, I have a kind of like a morning routine that I kind of try to get a little bit of learning or a little bit of reading before I kind of start working with clients. And then I was on with yourself. So and I have uh, a few things kind of to do for the rest of the day. So I try to, I'm more productive in the mornings. I fade quite hard at about like four or five o'clock. So I'm kind of like, I might as well get all my research done so I can uh, perform and uh, perform for yourself today. Fantastic. I like someone who has that bit of a warm up beforehand, you know, get rid of exactly. the brain fog. Unfortunately, yeah. I should probably do that more for guests, <laughs> but a, a, lot, a lot of the time it is the case that I'm only up the half hour before, get the coffee in and we're, we're good to go. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that though. So like, I'm, I'm very interested in people's morning routines and I suppose why they go about them in that way. So break down your warning, morning for me a little bit more. So what, what time would you get up? What do you tend so... to do first? My morning routine probably starts the night before. So that sounds weird. But what I try to do is I have like a journal beside me here and I kind of have a small process of kind of having my goals set for 90 days. So I have my year long goals in different elements. So the thing called the five F's, which is focus, fitness, finance, fun and family. I try to set small goals for those each year. Okay. And then I try to break it down into 90 day goals. So if you've worked in sales, which you do is that you try to break it into quarters so that you can break it down even smaller, knowing what you have to do to get to there. And that's why I break it down. And I try to reassess every single evening or every week I sit down on a Sunday and reevaluate saying, has that got me closer to that quarterly goal or that yearly goal? And then at the, each day I try to bring it down even further and say, right, I need to get four training sessions in this week. I can see, right, I've need, I've done two already. I've got two more to do between now and Sunday. I have, say, cooked dinner twice this week. I want to try and cook dinner another time this week. I need to get four walks in this week or whatever it may be. And there's amount, the X amount of sales calls. And that way, inclined from working in sales beforehand, you know, KPIs, all that kind of stuff. That's the way I tick. So I reevaluate every night saying what has worked well for the ref for that day, what hasn't worked well. And then I try to bring it into the next day and take along that way. So with the morning routine, the learning for me, my attention span isn't amazing in the afternoon. So I'm like, right, I will learn on a walk or else I'll learn first thing in the morning when my head is wide awake. My PT body clock has me quite up quite early. I go to bed probably go up to my room probably around nine o'clock and I'm probably either reading or just kind of doing a little bit of breathing for like 10, 15 minutes in the afternoons or in the evening, should I say. Uh, and I probably fall asleep at like half nine on the button. And then I sleep right through until maybe half five, six o'clock. And then I try to get that ready for myself. I just know that whatever's thrown at me for the rest of the day, it doesn't matter as long as I've got my non-negotiable of my reading, my walk, and if I'm training and then I make sure that I'll have my coffee once I get out of my bed, but I have to get my water into me while the coffee coffee is brewing. So I know I feel clear. I know I feel much better. Get my vitamins in and have that morning routine. I know whatever else happens for the rest of the day, I've already won that day. It doesn't really matter. Fantastic, man. And like, have you, have you always had that kind of approach or is it just something you got when you moved into PTing? Like, 
have you always been an early riser or like like personally what i find is like when i'm when i'm in work mode it's brilliant obviously when i used to be going to the office it was a little easier getting up early it was just came naturally going to bed early came naturally but at the moment with the way things are and you're at home 90 percent of the time it's hard to map out that clock in my mind of okay when's work time when's normal time when do i cut some things off and when do i start the day even it's just so varying so like talk to me a little bit about pre-PTing what would you have any of the same structure would have any of those things been a priority to you if you were to look at me from mentally from where i was when i used to work in sales and recruitment for five years so now it's completely it's like chalk and cheese i was i was i was depressed so i was very very like i was just going into work doing the job doing picking up the paycheck and just lost so there was there, there was no planning there was no routine i would have known i had my target and i would have just been like right let's just get on the phone and see what happens it was that kind of flip and see that probably just wasn't the right mentality to have and from having surrounded myself with people and with the pt being self-employed there's a little bit more pressure on yourself so you want to try and get yourself a little bit higher from reading the a lot of the books and from surrounding myself with people it's kind of like right there's there's a reason why these people are doing stuff there's an amazing book called tools of titans by tim ferris and he has snippets of his podcast uh, of interviews with the most successful people the likes of kind of say cuban good jr the rock um or a lot of other people that he has on the podcast and has little snippets of those their best main points and the biggest thing that they say on it is the power of the morning routine so I'm like, if these people are doing that, there's something in the feedback there. Like I know other people would do training first thing in the morning. When the gyms are open, the gym would be part of that. But I don't do that. I like, right, I'll either go for a walk or else I'll do the reading. Um, and I find the reading is a little bit easier for me now. And then I'll have my walk uh, post-lunch. Uh, so I'll, ha- I'll just get some little gap into the day. That's my non-negotiable. I plan it into my day. It doesn't have to be a four-hour walk or whatever. It can just be half an hour. But like the the PT definitely changed my mindset from being self-employed. That was like the book stopped to me. If I want to take this to where I think I wanted to go, I need to make that extra step. And I think that probably has made me stand out a little bit more in that I was like, right, I want to have one podcast a week recorded or two since the beginning of the first lockdown. And that's made me push myself that a little bit harder probably push myself hard too hard sometimes and there that that is there as well but i'm like i have a target i wanted to get this i wanted to make this the best version of me that i possibly can so this will impact more people that's ultimately what i want to do but i also have to be careful of the extreme which i can't come across to a lot of people is do you ever stop i'm like i do stop but i also know that if i step off the gas too much or if I ease up too much, that things, something will drop. And that's why I brought in the second coach under myself. And he has the same ideologies. He has a morning routine himself. He has his training sessions. We have a joint calendar, like a married couple. So I know exactly what's happening. So I know when to book calls for him. I know when he's training. I know when to message him. But that's the way it's planned in. I was never like that when I worked for someone else I didn't really care when I worked for someone else I think that's the biggest thing that I actually cared I had a reason why or have a reason why now and that's the biggest difference massive man I mean I feel like there's a complete shift in your perspective then now 
it's very interesting one because I'm obviously someone who, who is in that kind of secure nine to five type routine. And personally, like that, that is the kind of life I like. But I mean, to take that leap of faith and bet on yourself and jump off that probably set track of, look, you're probably on a handy few bob. You probably could go in and do a lot of it with ease. What was the breaking point for you to say, you know what, I need to escape the monotony. I need to follow my passions. What, what, um, what kind of drove that? So mine was mine was a little bit different. Uh, I know some people have unfortunately lost their jobs with what's happening and stuff. And I think my advice is can be applied and it can't be applied to some people. But I think the underlying sentiment can be. So I worked in sales and recruitment for about five years and was just very, very unhappy, very, very. I wasn't say I was hugely overweight. I kind of like skinny fat. I had man boobs, all that kind of stuff. And I was just generally unhappy. And then in April 2017, I woke up one morning and my left arm had swollen up massively. So I had no idea what happened. It was a fluid in the elbow. There was a rash appearing on my forearm. My fingers were really swollen. My arm was probably the, it was very, very, very swollen. Um, so I rang one of the lads and his now fiance is a doctor and he said, well, she needs to go to the doctor. You need to go to the hospital straight away. So I stupidly drove myself to the hospital, uh, which was not the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. But um, it turned out I was in the hospital for a week. Uh, they could, couldn't find out what was wrong with me. And then it turned out that I had bl- two blood clots in my left arm. So there was one just above the trap uh, between my neck. And they could only find it if my arm was out straight to the side. And then there was one above the forearm. Uh, so they never figured out what would happen. Um, so after that, I fell into a very, very, very dark place. And two weeks later, I went back into work and my body had shut down and I got fluid on my lungs. So I collapsed on my desk within half an hour. So I'd only started that job probably the week of me getting sick. So in April 2017, and I fell into a very, very dark place, um, had some very, very dark thoughts was going to finish it um i just was genuinely happy wrong ladder against the wrong wall and was from what i thought what society wanted from me was what i thought i was doing and then i heard a sentence from brian Keane, who is uh, an incredible he has an incredible podcast and he's, he's a very good person to bounce ideas off he said stop caring what other people think and that i'd never listened to a podcast before and Brian, to say that sentence, snapped me out. I was like, right, I need to go help. So as soon as that episode finished, uh, I I spoke to my parents and I was like, I need help. And they were like, yeah, you do. Um, so they were like, we couldn't have said that to you. You had to figure that out for yourself. So I had lost probably about 25 pounds in, 20, in, in two weeks um, because I wasn't eating. I was too stressed. I locked myself away and the demons were at play. And then I was wrongly or rightly, I don't know, but for me, it was wrongly. I was put on antidepressants uh, to mask an issue. Uh, Mine was situational depression. Mine wasn't the chemical imbalance. Um, So, but the biggest thing for me was talking to someone. So I went to talk to a counselor. I did that for probably about six months, still checking with her at the odd time and kind of just said to myself, right, I need to look and reevaluate what I want to do. I decided to try and get into some sort of shape. Uh, started doing a little bit of workouts. And then I was kind of like, right, I, if I can do this, anyone can do this. And I went traveling for a while with one of my best mates. 
and we um I started doing training with him and then whoever we're meeting on travels are like oh can you do a session for us or whatever so I started doing that I really really enjoyed that aspect and then I was like all right there's something here I really enjoy this I can get fit at the same time as these guys can get fit so I booked my PT course just before I left uh, Vietnam and the rest is history so that I've became fully qualified in 20 January 2018 celebrated three years in business like a few weeks ago so yeah it's been whirlwind um didn't want to lower the tone so early in the morning but yeah no man that's that's hugely interesting I feel like it's something a lot of people don't acknowledge the fact that they're they think they're on a certain path and they think they have to keep following that path and it's not necessarily always the case but like to have a health scare like that kind of crop up out of nowhere must have been scary I mean, when, when you're talking, like, how, how was your priorities of your health at that time? Like, were you doing there any kind of any. exercise? There, was, there, was there weren't any. There was, I used to play football from the age of, say, seven all the way up to about 24, 25. And then social life kind of took over. Like, I wasn't into recreational drugs. I've never done drugs in my life, but I was going out the pace quite a lot. Uh, and I was I, I gave up drink when I got sick. My perspectives changed. I was like, right, I want to make sure my, my mental health is playing playing for me uh, and i'm trying to win that for me i think i i know when i'm tired or whenever that happens i my that's when the mindset goes that's why i'm so rigid on no phone after a certain time in the evenings my my state has to be playing for me um i think the hardest part for a lot of people was that I changed my circle I kind of like I changed who I surrounded myself with if you look at my group from say five years ago to my group now it's completely different um I I don't like the word but there are can be kind of like energy sponges um I don't like the term but it is one of those things that I think a lot of people you, who you surround yourself with, who you bounce ideas off, it's hugely important. And I, from working in the fitness industry, there's a lot of egos at play or can be a lot of egos at play. And you find out who pretty quickly who's who's on your side. And I think from, I wouldn't have figured that out if I hadn't got sick. So there's a lot of lessons I've learned from getting sick. I probably wouldn't be here if I hadn't got sick, if I'm being 100% honest. Uh, it, was, it was that, that bad, but... It, the huge important for me saying right if I want to be the best version of me I have to be a little bit more selfish I need to put myself first I need to whoever I want to have in my group or my uh, in my clique or whatever I need to have the right people around me in order to go in the direction I want to be able to say right this person may not have all of the qualities but someone else may have that other quality and I heard something recently it was like I think it was in uh, The Values Factor by John Martini. He says, you have the people in your life with the qualities that you're looking for. Not one person will have all the qualities you're looking for. So say if your friend is the funny one, your friend is the sounding board, uh, your other half or whatever may be is the one that gives you the love and affection. And then your, say your parents or whatever may be, may be the kind of the voice of reason. So the people around you are the bits and you take little nuggets from everyone rather than only going for one only going to one person and I kind of read that I was like that makes so much more sense I kind of looked at my group and I was like this makes so much more sense and it's completely accidental but I think who you surround yourself with 
leads into how you create your environment and making it work for you. So talk to me a little bit about that. When, when you make a big life change and, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people fear making that change. Maybe they fear cutting people out of their lives. What sort of pushback or what sort of approval did you get from the people around you? Like, was anyone shocked that you were making these kind of life changes? Did people understand that given the health scare that, you know, okay, it makes sense why he's gone this way. I mean, how, how did that actually go down? Cause I imagine it was a transition rather than just a sudden cutoff. So like, how did you feel your relationship sh- shifted with people as such? Um, I think there was a bit of bite back. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean bite back as in kind of like anger towards me or anything. I thought it was kind of like, I would kind of only confide in those that I want to confide in if I had anything going or going on. And when I look at kind of like my circle of, of mates from, from school, like it's a big group, like there's 18 of us that are still quite friendly. So, but if I was to look at that group, there would probably be a small number of those that I would kind of contact on a daily basis, whether it be that with a stupid meme or a gif or whatever, or whatever. But there was from say, potentially from wet from my football background when there was a high, big, big drinking culture on that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I miss that stupid, that, that stupid banter. I really, really do. But I knew that that was not going to be, for me, there was buyback on that from 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 certain people. It wasn't nice at the time, but I had to say to myself, right, I have to put my energy towards me, the energy that was around me or the state that I was that was around me or my state at the time was definitely a direct direct link with having that around me. Um, and I think there was like, I think a lot of you mentioned the word fear. Uh, there and I think that's a huge word for a lot of people people fear making a change people fear trying to make themselves better because they want a guarantee they want a guarantee that something's going to work they want a guarantee that's going to be plain sailing it's not going to be plain sailing like life is not going to be plain sailing if you or this is going to be dark there's a book called yes to life by Viktor Frankl who's also the author of probably one of my favorite books um man search for meaning and he he the question he answers is what's the, what's the what's the meaning of life like it's a big question to ask and he says the meaning of life is suffering because you learn from the lessons you learn who you want around you you learn from the downs and you take little nuggets from those and bring them to where you want to go like most people don't realize that they're they are where they are now and they're meant to be where they are right now and it's about what direction they want to go they're kind of most people some people are at a fork in the road and they need to go left or right but most of them will just kind of stay in the same path they'll continue going straight rather than taking a direction they want to go through fear and it's very difficult for me to understand it from being not being a parent and it gets a little bit more complicated when you're a parent but if someone right now is listening to this and they're like unhappy with work or unhappy with a job or unhappy with something asking yourself what you want your life to look like in six months what you want your life to look like in one year what you want your life to look like in six years from now and what you need to do to get there does it mean that you need to potentially stay in your job for another six months a year in order to save a certain amount of money does it mean that you need to potentially work a little bit harder on and bring in a certain nixer if you want to do i don't know basket weaving or something could you do that and launch online there's more eyes online more than ever at the minute could you launch a youtube channel could you launch a podcast and could you do something like that and then ultimately 
if things financially you don't make you may not need as much as you have right now for financial reasons i had to take a massive cut um i didn't work for a year um i don't think many people realize that i didn't work for a year and i didn't get the dole either um i was i wasn't going outside so i was like well i don't need money it was a sad was like looking back and then it was silly but i was kind of like right that was that was the way i did it um but i think people are looking for a guarantee that someone's going to work it's the same as weight loss it's the same everyone's going to look for a guarantee they've done things they've gone yo-yo dieting but previously and things haven't worked because they give it a week and then they stop because they're looking for a certainty. They're looking for like, oh, I've, I've lost two pounds. I wanted to lose four. So I might as well throw it in. And that's where frustration happens. That's where frustration and the, the, the that vicious circle happens. Powerful stuff, man. I'm going to be honest here. One of the things I'm, I'm very curious about is in terms of you, you live a very structured life now. And, you know, you, you seem to do a lot of reading, a lot of self-work. But what's your downtime? Like, where's the you time where it, it is, does, is your downtime in taking some time for yourself to read or what sort of stuff do you do to actually just decompress and take a little shame time? So right now, the, 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 as you've, as you've said, and you've alluded to is the lines are blurred. The lines are definitely, definitely blurred. It becomes a little bit more difficult. My me time is that hour in the morning with the book. I never used to read. I used to think right, reading was for nerds, genuine in school. I was kind of like that kind of mentality. But my me time is kind of like the reading in the morning before everyone's up in the morning or whatever, maybe my chill time. My me time is getting out for a walk. Like there's nothing, I sometimes I don't even wear headphones. I may have them on, but I don't have anything plugged in. Um, so my me time is going out. And like when we could, going out to see mates. My me time is the training, that kind of like 40 minutes an hour session or whatever it may be. Um, and it's important for me to have that blocked in. Uh, right now, my me time is... The, the the football matches like they're on two or three times a week it's that kind of chill unwind time that allows me to like just be present with what's happening uh, some people think that like the structure that I have is can be a little bit extreme but I think if I didn't have the structure if I didn't have the routines if I didn't have what I wanted to do I don't think I would be as content as I am now. And I can't say that for definite, but there's a direct link between my headspace now from what I want to do, from what I want the business to be, from what I want myself and my my social circle, my life being to look like, um, that that has to be an element of it. There has been an extreme when I was doing face-to-face PT, I wasn't really socializing and that hit me uh, and that hit me afterwards. Um, I went from the extreme of potentially going out all the time to becoming to be like being a little bit more selfish with my time because I was working 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I know you've worked with Paul and Paul would say he had crazy hours as well. And that was just the life that I chose. But I'm glad I ate so-called shit for those two years. I absolutely loved the job. I absolutely loved the clients I had. But I'm glad I ate those. That I had that structure, that routine, and learned right. I know when I'm going to get tired. I know when I have more energy. I know I can be a little bit more reductive in certain times. I'm glad I learned those lessons. Can I be a perceived as a little extreme potentially? But um, the balance for me right now is being able to do the exercise, do the reading, do the journaling, chilling out in the evening with no phone. Like I don't look at my phone after 7 p.m. Most, about 99% of the time. No social media, no texts, 
Um, I just feel if I look at my phone, I'll be more tired waking up the next morning on this direct science for that. But and that I have to protect my state. If my state goes to to below a certain level, my headspace, the negative thoughts kind of creep back in. I think a lot of, that's what a lot of people struggle with is working with those negative thoughts that kind of come in. Absolutely. I feel like particularly around it, you know, when you're when you're sitting around at home, when you've the phone going, when you've so many different avenues suddenly pulling you in all different directions, it's very easy to get pulled into maybe those darker places when you get complacent that way. So I suppose being tuned into that is, is very important. I certainly find that myself. But like talk to me then about the last year. Um, it, it's been like the world has shifted massively. And it, I mean, look, no one, no one really enjoys talking about COVID and everything else. But like myself, I was someone who suffered from depression before. I didn't like being at home. Very similar to yourself. I just had to leave a job, decompress. I took four months off. I'd literally just just took me time to try rebuild and figure out, okay, what direction does my life want to go in? But particularly at the moment when you're, you're stuck at home a lot, I feel like you have a lot more time to yourself. You have a lot less time seeing other people. How's that impacted you? And how were you able to keep on top of that, particularly around your mental health? I'm not going to lie. I've 100% struggled. Um, I think I found lockdown three a lot more difficult. Um, yeah. My brother lives over in the UK. So I haven't seen my brother in 13, 14 months. Um, and we'd be close in age. Like we're only 20 months apart, 22 months apart. So we'd be quite close. So I'm making more of a conscious effort now to kind of message him as much as I can and jump on Zoom calls and stuff. And this is the first Christmas without him ever uh, that all four of us weren't together, which was a bit shit. Um, and like the beginning of 2021. So I've got, so I've got like surgery in like what, three or four days. So I'm going to be out of action for potentially three weeks. I won't be able to walk for three weeks. So I have, I've got like, I have to go get a COVID test before the surgery tomorrow. So I haven't been able to see people for the whole 2021. So that's definitely been very, very difficult. But I'm kind of, I've, from having the kind of like the structure in place, I'm like, right, what can I do to make sure my energy and my, is like, right, I'm going to ring friends. A goal every week is to ring a friend or a relation or an auntie or an uncle or whatever, maybe, and make sure to ring them because you don't know what they're going through either. You don't know what they're going to say. They could give you some, they could, could tell you some funny story or whatever. Um, and I've probably come closer to my godfather now that like if there's a United match on, he'll text me afterwards and just call it United shit because just he knows I get a reaction out of me. But it's definitely like if I go quiet, my mates will reckon, my best mate will recognize he goes, well, she's going quiet, so I need to message him. Um, I've definitely struggled for the last six weeks, I'm not going to lie. But what I've said to myself is, right, what can I protect to make sure my state is good, which is the sleep, the phone time, the going out for the walks, and making sure I'm ringing someone. And I think if someone's listened to this, the biggest advice I would say to someone is, if you are struggling, there's someone else struggling. If so, if you are struggling, someone else could do with a phone call and it's not about like letting not making the phone call out of ego or anything like that because a lot of people are afraid oh this person's not going to answer or this person thinks this is stupid you can't mind read you're just you're making up this story to, to tell yourself that you're not you don't know what's going to happen you're making up that story so that you that person may not reject the phone call or whatever it may be you don't know what someone else is going through um the 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 lines are blurred will work indefinitely in that regard and i've got better in relation to i will cut off my phone at a certain time at work 
And I think that's definitely helped. I, I won't answer emails after a certain time or window the emails. Social media, there's an app called Freedom, which I've brought in to protect, like that blocks the apps on your, on your phone between certain times. Uh, but it's definitely been difficult. Um, I've done a few, I've done a few counseling sessions um, in the first one, I think it was, between the first and the second one. Um, and it's been difficult not being able to kind of go and see the lads or whatever. Uh, that's definitely been a very difficult. But I think if you can ring someone, you can go on Zoom now, you can still see people. Is it the same? No, like we have a week for weekly or fortnightly poker night with the lads. Um, is it the same? No, definitely not. But at least it's keeping yourself some sort of normality by just chatting absolute and utter smack with the lads. You know yourself, you were talking off air when you're talking to your mates, you, like you're just talking absolute rubbish. And that's sometimes what you just need is to talk absolutely no sense. And I'm looking forward to when things kind of open back up, whenever that is, that you can just talk absolute smack with your mates. And I feel like you'd miss just that normal interaction of even getting taken down a few pe- pegs by your friends is, is more fun than sitting at home. What we're doing now. They'll tell, you just... too, they'll tell you if you're getting too big for your boots. That's it. And I, I suppose, man, um, one of the things I'm curious about then is in terms of like nutrition and in terms of food. Now, look, I understand. Look, the one thing I always feel is risky when asking people about this is it's not to get people to reflect your diet or reflect the way you approach things. But how does your food impact you in that sense of, you know, like particularly for myself, when I'm eating like crap, I feel like crap when I'm eating well and when I'm structured and when I'm focused it brings me on leaps and bounds in all respects, life, be it the podcast, be it work cognitively, you know, it just, I feel like it has such an effect. So what's your approach to diet and nutrition? For myself? Yeah. Okay. So for myself, it's kind of like, I'd be, I, I have IBS. I suffer from IBS, but my IBS is normally stress, stress triggered. And there's certain foods that I can't have. Um, I struggle to break down like the likes of cream and cheese and yogurt. So I try to stay away from those as much as possible. Um, generally for myself is trying to keep a structure to my meals is like, right. If I, when I get stressed, I don't really eat. Um, so I try to keep my routine of three main meals and a couple of snacks in between each day. And on days that I'm hungry is four meals and a couple of snacks each day, trying to keep that routine as much as possible. I'll have something, I'll be like, all right, I will have breakfast at say 10 o'clock. I don't really eat before uh, 10 o'clock. I don't really feel hungry. I'll have my water and get my water into me or whatever, but I don't really feel hungry. Um, and then I'm quite a boring eater Monday to Friday mainly. I probably, I know what works in my body. I know what I need for my body, but that's taken a lot of years. I've done stupid shit, don't worry. Um, I've... I was like, I've done gluten-free diets. I've done dairy-free diets. I've done uh, very restrictive. I've done so many different things and it hasn't worked. And I think that's what I try to work with my clients. But if I try to keep a routine with my food and then weekends, I also have my non-negotiable of trying to get an ice cream into me every day, uh, every night when I'm watching United matches or I'm watching chilling. My downtime is an ice cream every single night. My clients laugh at me all the time about it. I'm like, yeah, ice cream. It's my thing. It's your, your thing is chocolate. My thing is ice cream um and that's my that's my thing but i know when i don't if i've said i had something that i don't feel amazing afterwards in that say if it was too spicy or my stomach's impacting that will impact my mood there's a link between your gut and your brain and i just know it impacts my mood so i'm like right i'm just going to stick to what i normally have when variety comes in i'm kind of like i'll try it 
And if it hasn't, if I haven't, my stomach's not feeling amazing afterwards, at least I've tried it and then I'll try something else. So like what I'm trying to do at the minute is trying to get on a Friday night is trying to get uh, a restaurant meal into the house. Okay. To try and bring out a little bit more family time. Um, and we'll try different restaurants and cuisines and we'll figure out what I like and what I don't like. Um, and the same for them as well. But I think if I try something, I don't like it or it doesn't like me, I'm like, okay, that's not for me. Let's try something else. And I think that's important that people include the variety. Um, like people will be surprised what I would eat. Like I'm like porridge, protein, chocolate. I have chocolate every morning with my breakfast. Uh, nice. Two squares of dark chocolate. Yeah, it's good. Uh, a bit of fruit and then kind of like potentially something small in the in mid-morning. Bagels. Like people were here bread or their carbs are like, I can't have those. I'm like, you can't. Um, they're fine. Um, but I just know they're great system. And then the morning the evenings is just kind of variety of food. I know generally plenty of plenty of veggies and protein and fish. Like it's it's like people are gonna be listening to this like, yeah, he's the boring PT that just eats like that. But it's like that's what works um for myself. And if you uh weekends will be a little bit more variety. Uh, a little bit more particularly a little bit more picking or whatever maybe but overall it's what you do on on average and i think everyone everyone's different i think most people do eat most things the same thing on monday to thursday and when friday and saturday and sunday the weekends team seems to when variety comes in and they and they may restrict monday to thursday and then that's when variety kind of comes in they don't know how to contain the variety and that's generally where a lot of people struggle is that they're potentially going 1200 calories Monday to Wednesday or Thursday and then the floodgates open Friday, Saturday and Sunday and that's generally where a lot of people kind of derail themselves uh, through lack of empty, lack of structure um, and generally through feast or famine mode and I think it's important to include it's easier said than done for a lot of people but include the foods you want to have on a daily basis and then over time you won't want to have them as much like I get my girls, my female clients to have chocolate every single day and I was like, what's the catch here? I'm like, there's logic behind it that if you want it every day and you have it every day, you won't put it up on a pedestal. And that's huge for a lot of people. And how, how have you found working with your clients then during this whole thing where, you know, people don't have access to gyms, where, you know, people are kind of, especially if they are emotional leaders, it's very easy to turn to the press and, you know, I suppose just deciding, okay, I'm just going to gorge on chocolate and crisps for tonight because I have a shit day and I've not seen anyone in two months. I mean, how have your clients found it and how, what are the things you've brought into their plans or brought into working with them that keeps them on top of things then? Every single one of them is so, so different. I think a lot of people found this lockdown definitely a lot more difficult because there's no end in sight. I think that's the yeah. hardest part. Um, I think it's trying to keep an open dialogue between the clients. So I would talk to, I would talk to most clients every single day. I know Dallas, the, the second coach that works with myself, he would do the same thing. And I think that's important to have that contact. And if someone's struggling, it gives them the platform. It gives them the, enables them to have the ability to kind of speak up if they need it. And then if someone's having a bad day, it's kind of like, right, how, wh- what has, what have you done before? What hasn't worked for you before? And then we'll kind of say to themselves, right, let's try to keep our main meal structured. Let's have the non-negotiable three meals and two snacks each day. If you have a little bit more chocolate or whatever it may be in the evening, then just win the next meal. And it's important for them just to kind of press the reset button and go again. 
And what I've also tried to incorporate into them is like a date night or a family night on a Friday or a Saturday. So they have something to look forward to. That could be a few drinks. That could be a takeaway. That could be whatever they want. They can have the takeaway whenever on like once a week, twice a week, once a month, whatever they want. Try and incorporate some sort of thing that they look forward to. And the logic behind that would be that if they feel that they can have the, the kind of like the nightlife or the social life now, when the door is open, they can apply that to when normal life resumes. Yes, when normal life resumes, the floodgates are going to open and people are going to go out in the piss for four weeks straight or four years straight. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's about kind of saying, right, this is the logic behind that. We're shifting it over to that. Um, and that's what we try to to work on but everyone's so so different i think it's important for us to stay in our lane as well and that's important for us if someone's really really struggling mentally there's only so much i can do there's only so many things i can take from a book um like dallas is is a trainee psychologist so it's important it's it's handy having that kind of those ideas being able to push back but i'm not afraid to say right this is happening so don't be afraid to go and talk to someone i don't think that i would have had that if i hadn't have had it myself People think with um, therapy or journaling or meditation is a bit wishy-washy. I've got my clients, some of my clients do, to like do yoga and mobility in the morning, so have a morning routine. I've got some of my clients to do journaling or meditation. I've got some of my clients to go and talk to some. And I'll try and set, have non-scale victory goals, whether it's like rang a friend or four or five walks or coffee with a friend every week or whatever it may be. Have those small little things that they can build up and look forward to rather than seeing it as a death sentence a diet shouldn't be a death sentence if a diet's a death sentence or if you're looking forward to quitting your diet it's the wrong diet it's the wrong lifestyle it's not even a lifestyle it's a death sentence i, th- I think it is one of the things people fall into quite often though is that it ha- if, if it's not misery then it, it's not going to work and so how do you find that when you probably like particularly when you take on new clients how do you get people out of the mindset of the crash dieting of the I need to be miserable. I need to be starving if I'm going to lose weight. How do you break down those barriers? I think the big thing is like we do a welcome call or an onboarding call with clients on the first thing and we can see it from the chat. The, they fill in a form when they apply um, and we can see the little the notes and stuff that like, well, they've done certain slimming clubs, they've tried certain diets. And it's kind of like, well, I asked them, well, why didn't it work? And they're like, well, I did. I went extreme. I went full hog and we're like, well, why did you do that? And they were like, well, I just thought that was the way to diet. I'm like, okay, this is not going to, this isn't going to work this way. This won't work. This can't work. There will be some people that will be like, okay, I'm going to try it anyway. But then after two or three weeks, after kind of potentially going, going how they're like, I, I should have listened. I'm like, like what well, I'm trying, like we can only, I can only guide and I can only give my expert advice to people on certain things, trying to make sure that they have a proper understanding of why they want to do it if someone comes to me and they say i want to lose weight that's not a big enough why to 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 make it a a dramatic change like shane you've lost you've lost a good bit of weight as well but i would say that you had a proper why and that it may have been health it may have been mentally it may have been physically all of the above or whatever it may be and i think it's important to bring in some sort of emotional attachment to why you are doing something so I use a five Y technique. So why do you want to lose weight? I want to have more energy. Why do you want to have more energy? So that I'm not tired all the time. Why do you want, why, do, why are you tired all the time? Or why do you not want to be tired all the time? So I can play with my kids. Why do you want to play with your kids? So that I can lead by example. So there's your, there's your 
emotional attachment and it's important to have some sort of emotional trigger to understand why you want to do things. It could be addressed to fit into photos, to take photos with your kids so you're not having to hide in photos. And that's been a massive one for a lot of people during this, particularly during the summer months. It was like, I want to get into photos. I want to be able to go to my daughter's wedding or I want to be, I want to be feel comfortable in my wedding dress or whatever it may be. And I think it's important to say to yourself, right, why do I actually want to do something? Um, there's a quote by Viktor Frankl or by a philosopher called Nietzsche. And he says, he or she who has a why will overcome any how. And as long as we understand why we're doing something, then when days kind of try to derail us or things don't go to plan, as long as you have the systems in place, like I talk about, or the, the non-negotiables in place, then things become a lot, a lot easier. Will it go to plan every day? No, there's no such thing as a straight line as progress. It's important to say to yourself, right, how do we deal with the low days? Enjoy the long days, but you need to say to yourself, don't blame motivation. I know you did a podcast on this recently about motivation in that we can't blame motivation for not doing something. You shouldn't need motivation in order to go for a walk. You shouldn't need motivation in order to do what you want to do if it's what you really want to do. Like if I'm saying, if I don't want to do a training session, I'm like I pause and say, why, why do I not want to do this training session? Am I tired? Have I not slept? And if I'm kind of like, right, I'll count to three. So I'll go one, two, three, stand up, and then I'll go. And just use that simple, small technique. And it's the same with walks. There's some days I don't want to go for a walk, but I'm like, right, will I feel better after doing this? And I would eat my shoe if someone doesn't feel better after a walk. I probably won't, but I like to throw it out there. Um, but I think it's important to say for, for clients is that it's about trying to find some sort of balance for yourself. Whatever balance looks like is subjective and it's completely different. I think that's massive, I, especially walks at the moment. I feel like are, are a godsend, like getting an excuse to leave the house and just getting fresh air. I never realized the power of that so much. Like, I mean, wh- when I was, when I took some time off work to just kind of figure out what I wanted to do with myself, walking was a big part of that, but that was more down to headspace. Now it's just down to literally my complete, like it changes my world every day when I get out for the fresh air, when I get out into the world and just actually experience being away from the house. It, it's so important. I feel like it, it's part of life now that suddenly everyone's behind walking. Everyone's around getting into the outdoors everyone's kind of perspective has shifted that way and it's strange to see it but it's good too yeah like i think i live close to kind of like a, a harbor i live near dunleary so i've never seen so many people around dunleary and i think what's happening now i think is also having a knock-on effect to the next generation in that if adults are going out for walks on their parents they're leading to example for their kids so that they'll bring that on to their kids and that will just overall make a society a little bit healthier, a little bit more physically stronger, a little bit more mentally stronger in the long run. And I think that's huge. And it's great to see so many people out and about and having that whole desire to go out. And I think it's important to kind of get out of those four walls. Um, and I think having the, that little break for yourself, it could like it doesn't have to be going climbing the equivalent of Kilimanjaro or anything like that, even if it's just half an hour to get a cup of coffee. People don't realize that like even half an hour, even get some daylight exposure will raise up your energy, which directly correlates to raising up your state, which directly correlates to, to making you a little bit more productive at work. There's direct links to it. And when people say they haven't got time, it's just that they are doing something they value a little bit more. 
they value potentially working for a little bit more and there's nothing wrong with these at all but you've got to say to yourself right if i'm not feeling amazing right now mentally or physically i need to put my me time into my calendar because everyone's amazing at putting work meetings and zoom meetings and zoom calls onto the calendar but they're not necessarily putting them onto the calendar and that's where people can go off a little bit is that they don't necessarily um and i'm not saying you have to do this every day and this could be the extreme element as well but i think it's important to say right if i have some my me time booked in then whatever however else happens for the rest of the day i've already won the day it's massive. I feel like that is something people really need in their lives, to be honest. And I feel like taking those types of steps will shift your perspective completely. Now, look, man, uh, before before we finish this up, one thing like I've noticed throughout this podcast is you name so many books that you've read. And I know you weren't a reader back in the day, but there's, there's definitely, you know, an impact from all of the stuff you've read and the fact that you're able to just ream stuff off. So like it's 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 crazy it's just like literally like straight off oh from this book this this book this you literally have them almost at the top of your head so one thing i am curious about is what few books even if it's one or two would you recommend to readers that could maybe shift their or sorry to listeners that could maybe shift their perspective a little bit more what are your top one or two books i think man search for meaning by victor frankel i read that at the beginning of lockdown and that's a he's a psychologist or psychiatrist that was uh, captured by the nazis and put into the concentration camps and i'm not saying that our lives right now are like a concentration camp but we are trapped we are being kept and his audio his whole thing is that we choose our suffering so he could see when people were ready just to kind of like just to kind of give up or that they were ill or whatever like that and he was on the front line in relation to having to try and keep people alive and heal wounds and stuff so that people could do what the nazis want which is build stuff and clean stuff and all that kind of stuff so he could see that but it's important to say his whole lesson is choose your suffering um and i think we ultimately now need to choose our suffering in that we can either let this derail us or we can choose to be coming out of this the best version that we want to be uh, I read that at the beginning of the first lockdown. It's only 150 pages. It's only about 80 pages of the actual Nazi concentration camp story. And uh, then there's another few pages on his uh, psychology stuff, which is called Logotherapy. And his whole, I read that, but it's, that book is incredible. Um, I'll, do you want another mindset book or do you want other books from different Anything areas? at all. Anything at all. There's a book called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And that is a quote from Stoicism, uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, for every single day of the calendar year. So you can open it up on any page and you can find a quote that you'll look at and be like, okay, this quote's actually in my head. This has happened to me right now. It's frightening. If you open up any page, it'll be like something to do with that you may have had a row with a friend or leaving the ego at the door or finding general happiness. It could be something along those lines. It will give the quote at the top and then it will give like a little synopsis of what it means to your life. And every single one of those quotes will find, you'll find some relevance too. And you can open on any page, not one of these books that you have to read every single day. You open it up a page a day or you can open it, like say what's well, now is February. You can open it in April if you wanted or December and pick up anything and something will be relevant to you. I think the last book, I think that's definitely helped me is The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And I think by Robin Sharma and the element of that is he was a very, very wealthy man like the Buddha. 
the Buddha was I was a prince and went to kind of live a life of uh, poverty and uh, enlightenment. That was his whole thing. And it's very similar to that thing. But he was like, what's important to me is the, the paycheck isn't important to me. The Ferrari isn't important to me. What's important to me is living by my values. And when I read that book, I was like, this is the book about my life. Please get out of my head. I was like, please stop. Uh, but it, it's it's one of those books that if you're struggling right now with not knowing where you want to go with work or life or whatever like that, it can definitely help. And I think people have to be in the headspace to, to read a certain book in that if you read a book at a certain time, it will hit you. If you don't read the book at the right time, it won't hit you. So I'm looking at books. I've got books above my head now. And there'll be books there that I got a quote from maybe, but it wouldn't have hit me at the right time. But I'll know if I'm in that headspace again, I can go to a certain book. And I think that's hugely important. That That's why sometimes I can be a little bit reluctant to uh, give quotes of books and stuff or give suggested books. But those kind of ones, the, the Monk of Solis Ferrari, um the daily stoic and man search for meaning have definitely impacted me in more way than one brilliant man i'll have to check them out myself now daily stoic i do uh pretty much most days although my problem is i like to do it actually in the order of the book and so sometimes if yeah, i lose I like track that, yeah. of, if i lose track of myself for a few days then i'm like do i go back and start from where i was or do i skip a few pages and hope to get them next year it's uh it's it's a bit of a bit of a pull but look um thank you so much for taking the time to come on today i feel like everything you've talked about is going to massively benefit listeners where can people find you if they do want to hit you up after this thank you so much for for having me i was really honored when um you popped me a message because i know you listen to the the podcast so the podcast is the shameless fitness podcast so that's up on itunes and up on spotify and it's at like episode nearly 150 at this stage and the at Shane Walsh Fitness on Instagram. And if anyone wants to kind of work with myself on coaching, so shanewalshfitness.com. Uh, and feel free to pop us a DM if you have any questions regarding food, training, mindset, or anything like that. I'll be happy to to answer any questions as much as best I can. Brilliant, man. Guys, be sure to check Shane out. And thank you so much for listening.